Hey friends, this is Connie from the Weed Seeds and Beautiful Things podcast. We have a special guest on the show today. Her name is LaToya Niche. She is a life coach, an author of nine books, and a speaker. She is also, and most importantly, a passionate lover of Jesus Christ. She believes that becoming stuck in our pursuit of purpose and fulfillment is a universal part of the human condition, but staying stuck is a choice. As an author, speaker, and certified professional life coach, her personal mission is to empower individuals to quiet that negative self-talk in their heads, sideline their excuses, increase their faith, and max out their potential. We get to interview her on the show today. She is an awesome woman. She has a lot of insight for us. And I want to let you know that in the show notes, I am going to put a link to her coaching page. And if you click on that link, you can have a complimentary 30-minute discovery call to begin planning your breakout process. Latoya Nache's website, she can be found at www.breakoutcoaching.buzz. And I guarantee you, this is an episode you won't want to miss. Let's get started. Welcome to the Weed Seeds and Beautiful Things podcast. I'm your host, Connie, and I have with me a special, special guest today. She is a life coach, and she is going to be talking to us about her ministry. Introduce yourself for us. Hey, I am Latoya Nache. I am a life coach, an author, and a speaker. My life's mission is to equip people to live like they know whose they are. Oh, I love that. I love that. So how did you get to be a life coach, an author, and a speaker? Those are three very hefty titles. <laughs> they are. Uh, really, my plan was to be a dentist. That's what I wanted to do with my life. Oh. The Lord had totally different plans for me. So it just, it all unfolded just by following his will. I've always loved writing. I've been writing since I was in second grade. So the author part just kind of came naturally. Speaking, I don't even, that that was directly from the Lord because I was terrified of public speaking when I was younger. But God gave me a word. I kept being asked to to speak at different events. And the more I spoke, the less the nervousness was there. So that's just a part of it. And then life coaching really came from knowing that there was more. There was more than speaking, more than writing. I knew that there was another level for equipping people. And the Lord just really just guided me into that. I love that. Tell me a little bit more about that, that you knew that there was more. So I was working a a regular corporate type job, still doing some writing, doing some speaking. My God, this this still doesn't look like the fullness of what you showed me. I don't know how to cross, how to close the gap between now and next. I don't know how to get to the thing that I I saw, but didn't totally understand. And so I really pressed in and started seeking him. And at the time, a lady that I was going to church with, she was going through her coaching certification Mm -hmm. and needed some some clients to coach. And so I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And, and that was my introduction to coaching had never experienced it before. She asked me a question during our, one of our sessions that I couldn't answer. And she said, you know, she told me to envision what my life would look like if I was walking in the fullness of what God had called me to. And I did that very well. And then she said, now tell me what an average day would look like if that is the aerial view. And I couldn't answer it. And so I, I, that light bulb moment was that 
I'm not getting to what was shown to me because I don't understand what it looks like on a day to day basis. So mm-hmm. I really started started praying mm-hmm. about that and really exploring what life coaching was. And the more I learned about it, the more I was like, okay, God, if this is for me, point me to a school. And he did that. And then I said, okay, if you want me to go to this school, I need you to finance it. And he did that too. So I graduated ICF accredited program debt-free. Wow. That's amazing. It, it gives me chills. I'm sitting here listening to, but the thing that gives me chills is not so much how you got to this place of success, but it's the heart that you had to know the will of God. That is so important. And you talked about how you just knew, you knew that you weren't living in the fullness of what you could be living in. And that prompted you to start seeking. Can you, can you tell me a little bit about um, what did that seeking look like? Because a lot of times on, when I talk on my podcast, people get discouraged because they get a word from the Lord or they feel like he has called them to something, but then they face opposition. And what I hear you say is what I have found in my own walk, where he gives you something, he gives you a vision, or he gives you a a calling in your life that you just know, but then he Mm -hmm. requires you to seek and to wait and to be patient. Talk to me a little bit about that. So faithfulness in the waiting is a is a big part like waiting does not mean that we just sit still and wait for God to open up the heavens and pour us out a blessing mm. faithfulness is like that that waiting process is doing the things that we know to do because those things propel us closer and closer to the will of God and so as we're doing the things that that we know to do some things come not but by prayer and fasting sometimes yes. you don't the revelation that you need until you shut down other things, get before the Lord and really, really listen. I think sometimes people use fasting as almost as a way to try to manipulate God to get him to do something or produce something when really that, that process is about getting closer to him and divine strategies come from being in his presence. So stillness will produce strategies. Wow. Wow. Stillness will produce strategies. It's obvious, obvious that your heart is totally, and I know everyone's human. We all fall down and we all, you know, stray, but your heart is obviously seeking the will of the Lord. And in doing that, that is where he has been able to propel you forward because your ideas are very obvious that you are looking to him to be the guide and you're looking to him to be the provision and you're trying to keep yourself out of the way. Right. And that's primarily because again, I, you know, I wanted to be a dentist. So from the time I was four years old to my last semester of undergrad, that was my plan. And I remember the Lord speaking to me very clearly in February of 2009 saying like dental school is not my will for your life. You can go if you want to go, but if you do, I won't be with you. How did you feel when, when you have, when you have heard that from the Lord, what was your uh, initial gut instinct? Were you disappointed? Well, there were a lot of feelings. Mm -hmm. There was peace, which was, which was weird because this had been my plan, my um, basically my whole life, but there was peace. Um, 
revelation started to come, these these pieces started to come come together, and it really was a almost an immediate decision that okay, I'm going to do this, and only because. I know when it's time to, for me, I know when it's time to shift because my normal becomes unbearable. So although this had been my plan for so long, I was a biology major with, in a chemistry minor. Mm-hmm. I loved science all through school until mm-hmm. college. And it just became so hard and so tedious. But my mindset was, I've been saying I'm going to do this my whole life. Everybody is expecting mm-hmm. me to do this. So when the Lord said, no. That was almost, it was more of a sigh of relief than a disappointment. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I love that. I love that. And again, it's interesting that he took something that for so long had been a pleasure and because it wasn't ultimately what he had created you to do, it kind of became a a thorn, something that was more of an irritation. Um, And he used that to be able to then speak to you. And you know, the thing that gets me though is he speaks a lot of times to all of us, but we're not listening. Right. So there has to be something about your posture um, that just makes you more open. Not that you're better or you're, you know, more divinely touched. I think the Lord speaks to all of us. We just aren't right. in a position where we're listening. Can you right. give some tips on how you stay in a position to where you can actually pick up on his message to you? Yeah. So the word says, and it's red letter, like Jesus said, <laughs> my sheep know my voice. So that yes. means every child of God is able to discern the voice of the Lord. The difference maker about whether or not we do is by like delight in the Lord. Mm-hmm. That delight, delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. People often like split scriptures and have. Yes. They love to say. He'll give you the desires of your heart. But I believe that if we delight in him, if we abide in his presence, then he will start to change our heart's desires. So yes. he'll give us new desires and then he'll produce the desires, the manifestation of those things according to his will. So yeah, I actually was not raised in church, mm-hmm. but my, my grandmother was just a faith giant. So watching her walk and she was very intentional. I know now, now I understand that the word was discipleship. As yeah. a kid, like, oh, you know, my grandma talks to me about Jesus. <laughs> but mm-hmm. watching her example and her imparting so much into me, she was so intentional about being in the presence of God every day. So it was normal for me to see her watching sermons on TV or listening mm-hmm. to them on the radio. It was normal for me to see her studying the word and underlining and writing notes. Mm-hmm. And it was absolutely her normal to infuse the word in every single conversation that she had. And I and think that's key. It was her normal. Her normal yeah. was the expectation of the presence of the Lord, the power of the Lord and his voice to be heard in her life over obviously whatever she needed direction on. Right. And so that norm became my norm. I tell people all the time, like, it was actually in, in, I don't say this as, being disrespectful to anybody who's, whose childhood looked different than mine, but mm-hmm. me not being raised in church was a blessing in some ways, 
because there there were a lot of things that my friends had to go through, kind of being taught a lot of doctrine and, and traditions that weren't necessarily really the word. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So me just getting Jesus <laughs> and yeah. being able to, to bypass some other stuff was beneficial to me. And I mean, I've, I've been I started going to church regularly when I was 16, when I was able to drive. Mm-hmm. And by the time I was in college, I found my own church home and I was there every Sunday and, and starting to serve. So I wholeheartedly believe in the local church. I just know that sometimes there's some some hurts and some strongholds. Oh, absolutely that have to be worked through. And so mm-hmm. God just had a very unique way of preserving me. And I love teaching. that. A very unique way of preserving you. Yes. I love that because the God we serve is an intentional and personal God. Yes. And to each person, there is a purpose and a destiny that is very personal. And yeah. it's weaved with threads of unique color that don't match anyone else's and your story brings hope for people that weren't raised in church because you get you hear a lot that you know if you don't come from a certain background or you don't have a certain uh, economic status or whatever that you're at a shorter disadvantage you know a disadvantage to knowing God and to having his spirit and his um, presence revealed in your life and you and your story show us again and confirm and affirm that that's not the case, that that's a man-made ideology, not something yeah. that God does. Absolutely. And I, I feel like my life is living proof that the Lord is absolutely serious about the Great Commission. We are supposed mm-hmm. to go and make disciples. And sometimes we don't even have to go that far. I live next door to my grandma. Mm-hmm. She didn't have to go really far, yes. but she, but still like, it's, it's important that the God that we know, the faith that we have, we are, if we really truly believe in that, and if that is the anchor in mm-hmm. our souls, mm-hmm. then we are supposed to be teaching that to others. We are supposed to go out and compel men to come. Yeah. Really, I'm passionate about this. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. I feel the exact same way. Uh, this this podcast seeks to go deeper to address real issues that you know one of the biggest issues I've faced in the church is just this this common mask that we put on that we come in and we don't go deep we don't address sin we don't talk about things and and we really never get anywhere you know yeah. people don't really get to know the God that I know the God that that moves and that works and that heals and restores. Um, and so that's what this podcast has, has set out to do is to really change that and to go deep and to address things. So this is all wonderful. And I love your passion. We, we need passionate people. I had a, a pastor once tell me that he said, Connie, you have a lot of, a lot of passion. He said, and it's really hard. It's hard to light a fire under somebody that doesn't have a fire, but it's easier to kind of throw some water on somebody that's too hot. <laughs> so, so I love that. So keep being hot <laughs> in, in the physical and literal sense, because you're really beautiful. <laughs> but I want to jump tracks. I want you to talk to me more about this life coaching. I want you to tell, tell the listeners what you accomplished by doing this and okay. how far your reach is, especially now that everything has gone virtual. It is so incredible yeah. that the people you could talk to used to just be in a room, you know, right. but now we have unlimited ability 
thanks to the internet and, and modern technology to reach people all around the world. So share a little bit about your ministry through life coaching. Right. So the thing that breaks my heart, I'm sure more than more than anything, is seeing believers who aren't free because that doesn't that. make yeah. sense to me. You mm-hmm. know, the spirit of the Lord is there's liberty. Yes. And so I, I total again, like I'm the discipleship director at my church. I believe in discipleship. I believe in winning souls to the kingdom. But we can't effectively disciple unless our lives look like something that somebody else wants. Exactly. And I don't, you know, and I don't mean like cars, car, certain cars and houses and because mm-hmm. people get so wrapped up in the material thing. But freedom is attractive wholeness yes. is attractive like somebody being being emotionally healed those things are attractive and people want they gravitate towards that and they want to know how to how to get it and Jesus is the answer so through coaching again it goes back to really equipping people to live like they know whose they are so I, I deal with three primary areas mindset because as a man thinks in his heart so is he yes identity and purpose those two things go hand in hand i get really frustrated when people are chasing after um purpose but they have yet to discover who they are that's hustling backwards it doesn't work (laughs) (laughs) because you don't know who you are and you tap into just a little bit of what it is that god has called you to do your purpose will become an idol and you'll use it to serve yourself instead of serving humanity and that was never the lord's intention And then the third area is navigating the trials that come along with transition, because whether it's transition that we are forced into or the transition that we choose ourselves. If I choose to up, I live in the Nashville area now, but if I up and move to L.A., I'm going to have to overcome some obstacles. (laughs) It's going to be a major, you know, not just in terms of distance, but it's a different Mm -hmm. culture, different cost of living, all these things have to work through you know but when I when my grandmother passed away that was a transition that I didn't have a say so in yeah and so I had to learn how to navigate that space too because that was a new normal mm-hmm. so either way there are these things that we have to overcome so it's coaching helps <laughs> it helps yes. us to develop a plan for moving forward so with all three of those areas of focus that the goal is to always come up with spirit-led strategies that close the gap between now and next. Now is where we currently are. It's the present, but next is the future that God has promised us. Not the thing that we came up ourselves with ourselves, but the vision that he has given us. So whether you're friends, family, or clients, my favorite question is, what is God speaking to you? <laughs> like, can not I give what you is a God's... say at the Lord? Yes. 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 Not yes. what is your parents like, telling you to do? Can, or what do you feel like? But what is exactly. God speaking? Right. I'm I'm definitely not gonna ask you what you're feeling. Like <laughs> I may, you know, we may explore if a if a person is getting emotional during a session, I may say, you know, well, let's explore those feelings. Why are you feeling that way? But I'm not gonna ask you like, well, how do you feel about doing this? No, like what is what is the Lord saying? That's why I'm a Christian coach and not just just a regular life coach. I had a lady ask me one time, she said, Well, what if somebody comes to you for coaching but they don't wanna like be faith based? I said, Well, that's fine, I'm not their coach. And they can go find somebody else. I love it. I don't know how, yeah, like, I don't know how to lead you forward 
exactly without Jesus. Exactly. You yes. know, I don't know where you're going and I don't want to co-find that. Exactly. Yes. Yes. What an amazing, amazing testimony. I'm pretty blown away by uh, just the wisdom that I hear pouring out of your mouth and so obvious uh, that the Lord has given you a message. Another thing that comes to my mind is that I have known numerous life coaches. I have known numerous speakers. I have read numerous books by different authors. And still, the the beauty of the Lord is, as I said before, his purpose is personal. Your story and your wisdom is different than anything I've heard. So there is enough gifting and enough um, just blessing that the Lord wants to pour out on each individual person that we never have to worry. Well, there's already a lot of, because yours, yours is so amazing and I've never heard it before. And it's like a Thank fresh you. breath of you're kind of hopeful, but you don't, you don't allow for us to fall back and make a lot of excuses, but you do it in a way that's loving. And that's what yeah. draws people in because we can't, and we also can't move forward if we can't accept that there's only one way to go about doing things. And that is the way of truth. And that truth isn't relative and we can't change it to make it different. Like you said, we can't take scripture apart and use part of it. The only way to move forward is in truth. And so there's a lot of, of accepting different things there. But when we accept things with the Lord, it's never in a, in a condemning way. It's always in a way that offers us grace and extends to us an, another way out. So yeah. tell me a little bit about your authoring. You said that you did a lot of writing through school. Was that like journals? Did you start with journals? I would... When I started in second grade, I would just write stories. Just write little stories. Little stories. Okay. Yeah. I, I never was like really big on, I wasn't big on journaling or keeping mm -hmm. a diary because my mom was so nosy. Okay. So, <laughs> so were your stories like things you wished your life could be at that time? Or how did you come no. up with your stories? It, it was weird. Even now, writing is very therapeutic for me. So, I could write something totally detached from where I am, but just the physical act of writing, like sitting down and writing by hand, that is mm -hmm. healing. For me. So I that's really, that. really where it came from. So sometimes it was short stories. Sometimes it was poems. Mm -hmm. it, it was just always something. And I remember being in college and I was taking like a professional writing class and our professor stopped in the middle class one day. She said, Latoya, where did you graduate from? And I told her it was just a little small town not far away. And she's like, but how did you learn how to write the way you write? I know they're not teaching it like that where you where you graduated from, but that's not something ever, anybody ever taught me. It was just a natural gift. It's always been a thing all throughout elementary school. I, I won writing contests, didn't mean to because I was shy and didn't want to stand in front of people and read, but that gift has just always been there. So in 20, 2014, no, it was late 2013, I was coming back uh, home from church one Wednesday night and the Lord just placed the title of a book in my heart. And the title was Daddy Unbreak My Heart. 
and it was supposed wow. to be a, <laughs> that's that's my my first baby but it was the the book is written to women who either did not have their natural father in their life yeah. or they yeah. did and that was just a very tumultuous relationship mm-hmm. so it's all about receiving god as your heavenly father and being healed through that relationship and, and then, realizing that he is not what we our human perception i've been learning that he is yeah. so much bigger than our broken daddies. Yes, absolutely. He is a good, good father. He is the perfect, the perfect example of what a father should be, how, how a man should care for his wife and how a man should care for his children. So that's that. So tell us a little bit more about that book. So again, you know, my story is very unique. And so I have, I was raised with a father in the home, mm-hmm. but he didn't come along until right before I turned four. My, my mom okay. got married. The, so that's the, I say, I have a dad who, who made me and a dad who raised me. So okay. my dad who made me was not in the picture at all. Okay. <laughs> and he passed away when I was 10 years old. But my dad who raised me has just been there almost from the very beginning. And if you saw us interact, you would never know that married into this relationship. (laughs) So, you know, we're extremely close. So my, yeah, absolutely. So my daddy issues did not manifest the way a lot of times like women who don't have fathers, they're, they're like seeking something. Yes. So I wasn't seeking male attention mm-hmm. because I had that. What I was seeking was answers because I couldn't get those. And Interesting. So, so bringing the idea that we seek the thing that we don't have. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so because I, I look just like my biological father. Mm. To, look like, to look like a stranger is a weird experience. Yes. And then to not have him around to be able to ask questions, that's difficult. And I, the way I, I, my experience with him and his family's experience with, with him were night and day. So I can't really huh. ask him questions because of their perspective of him. I don't feel yes. like I would really get the truth. And so for, because I couldn't get answers, I became an answer. I made sure that I was going to be self-sufficient. I made sure that I was going to take care of me and be there for me because I couldn't trust other people to show up for me. These are, you know, these are like Mm -hmm. the the childhood strongholds (laughs) that, that just birthed. So, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I mean, last year, God really took me through this process of, of breaking those things. He told me that I was self-sufficient to a fault, but Every, every woman needs a father. Yes. And every if our woman needs a place of safety. Yes, absolutely. Like we need, mm-hmm. we need a covering. We need a place where we can be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I'm still how to be vulnerable and how to be soft. Yes. Not because I didn't have a, a man who, who allowed me to be that, but because all these the the demonic chatter you know not not being yes, possessed yes no no i totally absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So it doesn't have to be possession it can be oppression 
exactly the voice of the enemy telling me I needed to to be like this and do this and make sure that I don't I don't have to worry about anybody else or depend on anybody else and it's a way to back, keep you separate from God is what it is absolutely. and it's a believable thing because it makes sense the best lies are lies that are made with a form of the truth absolutely And if the enemy can keep us away from God, he can keep us away from our purpose and he can keep us away from our promises. Yes. And he can keep us bound, even as believers, where we essentially waste our entire life living in a man-made prison. Yes. Yes. So after daddy unbreak my heart came princess mentality. We like that. (laughs) Was it kind of, was it kind of the, the, the daughter to daddy unbreak my heart? They can go together, but they, the personality story, maybe. Yeah. The personality that they're written is, it's very different. So I tell everybody princess mentality is my sassy book. I love it. Like hear me all throughout that book. (laughs) So, but it is, it is very much a call to live. Like, you know, who's you are because so unbreak is about getting free. Yes. Really, unbreak is more about getting healed. And yes. then, you know, you get healed, you get free, then you get to princess mentality. And that's really about walking in power and authority. I love that. I love that. And you can't have one without the other. Mm-mm. We want to go from A and skip all the middle and B at Z. But with God, we have to do the B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, and on and on and on. One, one night, I remember the Lord spoke a word to me, and I turned it into a calligraphy art thing. Because it was just a sentence, but it just made, it just pow. And it said, okay. there are no shortcuts to healing. Mm-hmm. We want to shortcut it. We want it to be easy. We want it to be painless. But oftentimes, the deliverance and the healing is more painful than the wounding. Yes. And I think, oh, I'm about to get on my soapbox because. Oh, go for it. <laughs> My pastor and I, we say this all the time that healing hurts, but the pain is worth it. Yes. At the very beginning of of 2020, my mom had to have hip replacement surgery. And my, you know, we got her through surgery. She was back in her room and stuff. And my dad and I, we went to dinner. And when I came back, I mean, she had tears streaming down her face Mm -hmm. because the medication had worn off and they hadn't given her any more yet. And the next day, I remember the doctor coming in and saying, you know, I know you're in pain, but just think of this as progressively going away. Whereas prior to your surgery, it was progressively becoming more painful and getting worse. And so I just always think about that, that real life situation when it comes to healing spiritually when we are broken, we continue to get worse and worse and worse. And we start to hurt the people around yeah, us. Love. Yes. And, yes. And so the process of healing, it hurts because you have all these different things attached. Yes. So my mom is my mom is getting ready to now she's getting ready to have a knee replacement surgery. And that's a result of her hip being messed up for so long. Mm-hmm. And so when we're broken other things start to take place. My, yes. my rejection issues from my biological father produced this 
chronic independence. It produced trust issues. All, all this fruit came from that root of rejection. Mm. And so when we get healed, it's not just picking off the fruit. That root has mm. to be excavated. It has to yes. come up out of you. And when it's been in you for so long, that hurts. Yes. Because it's found its way it. around everything. Yes. Including your identity. Yes. Often, like, your identity even has to be reshaped. Mm, mm. Talk to me a little bit about identity. I think that's such uh, an important thing, and I think you touched on a very real issue, that we don't know whose we are. People think of identity, even, even I did, until I heard you say that. I would, have had to, I would have to admit that my idea of identity is, who am I? But the way you put it is, whose am I? Yes. That turns everything about it on its head because it takes it from being something human, something that we produce or we find or we make or we manufacture to look like whatever it is that we think we need to be to taking it down to what does God say about me? Who do I belong to? And that's beautiful. So I, I coach men and women. Mm. And one of my, my second favorite questions to ask after what is God saying is, who are you minus the titles and minus the roles? So most of the time when women tell you who they are, they'll tell you what they do. I'm oh, a wife, okay. I'm a mother. Okay. I'm a... Yeah, that's not it. A man will say, well, I'm an engineer. I work. They will tell you about their work. <laughs> So a woman will define herself based on relationships. A man will define himself based on like his work roles. But who we are at the core strips all that down. And, you know, God told Jeremiah, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. I sanctified you. I called you to be a prophet to the nations. And so it's like, who is that version of you? Who is that version of you that didn't make a decision to be something else? And so for probably like a, a solid 10 years, and I'm, I'm, I'm 35, like I'm not even that old. So, <laughs> but no, you so are you young because I'm 37. <laughs> the wisdom, wisdom from the mouth of babes. <laughs> you know, but when you're 35 and 10 years is a huge chunk of your life. Yes, it is. So. I spent like all this time saying that I'm an equipper. I am an equipper because I equip people to live like they know whose they are. And God broke that last September. And he said, equipping is not who you are. It's what you do. Mm. But I've created you to be a communicator. Mm. I said, well, you know, I've been writing. No, he's not, not a communicator. I'm sorry. He said, I created you to be a speaker. Like you are a communicator. And I said, well, Mm. I've been writing longer than speaking. And he said, no, you've been talking for a long time. (laughs) He's got a sense of humor, too. (laughs) Yes. Oh, touche to God. (laughs) So as I, you know, as I started to explore that, calling myself a communicator rather than an equipper, I was asking God, like, you know, what's what's the difference and so he gave me this visual of his words coming like into into my head into my brain mm. and then coming out of my mouth 
And that was so empowering because I understood that my job as a communicator, whether I'm writing, speaking, or coaching, Mm -hmm. my job is to hear from the Holy Spirit and release the word. And when I release it, like in Jeremiah, I think I think it's Jeremiah 112, it says God watches over his word to perform it. Mm-hmm. So when his word comes out of my mouth, the Holy Spirit then hovers over it. And it is his job to produce. When I had an equipper mindset, I thought that I was supposed to speak and then make the people do. That's oh not my job. Oh my gosh. You are you are not just talking to the audience, but this is so much a message I needed to hear and you are addressing some things that I have been wrestling with and so I am so amazed at again just the level of intentional personal love that the Lord has for me and for you and obviously just to have you as a guest on my show you randomly came across my pod match account and I'll tell you I will tell you I had no idea who sent me the email from Podmatch. all of a sudden out of the blue and I had been praying for a way the Lord to open a door for me to continue to move my podcast forward. Yeah. And then that happened. And then you, and then just hearing your story is in a time where it is ministering to me. So it, it just really means a lot to me that he is so obviously on top of everything. And to hear you talking about your identity like you are, the thing that's going off in my mind is that no matter what happens to you, because of the identity that you have realized in Christ, no matter what happens to you, no matter your age, no matter anything, your identity never changes. If If you were an equipper, at some point, you wouldn't, who would you be at? You know, the, the identity that you have founded in Christ is solid. Absolutely. Absolutely. If I if I looked at myself as just my parents' daughter, you know, my parents were actually in the house. Well, what happens where they're gone? Mm-hmm. Then, then does my identity then become an orphan? Yeah. Or if I, I'm, I'm, I haven't been married yet. So if I feel like my identity should be wrapped up in being a wife and I'm not a wife or I'm not a mother, then I'm beating myself up because mm-hmm. I have yet to step into those roles. But those are just those are roles and they're major exactly. roles. Exactly. But from the womb, God didn't say you are a wife, you are a mother. He said you are a communicator. Because all of those things change. You may get married yeah. and not be able to have children. You may Fads change, ideals change, what's popular changes. But when we have the Lord, the truth is not only the thing that sets us free, but it's the truth that anchors us and it doesn't change. So that's how we can live knowing that we are secure. Right. And so typically people really wrestle with that question of who you are at the core. My, My clients who are women, they cry. Yeah, yeah. the guys, they typically won't cry, but it will really send them on a journey that they didn't expect Mm -hmm. because I, I can't, I can't take you forward until you really get an understanding of Mm -hmm. who God says you are. Wow. Wow. It's, it's just beautiful. So 
tell me and tell my guests how they can get a hold of you, how they can find you. And I will also be linking this in all the show notes, but I just want to give you an opportunity to extend an invitation for your services, your books, for all of the resources that you have, because you are obviously, obviously on a mission and the Lord is obviously speaking to you and empowering that mission to go out in a very, very powerful way. Thank you. So my website is breakoutcoaching.buzz, not .com or .net. .buzz, I like that. B-U-Z-Z, breakoutcoaching.buzz. And on Instagram, I can be found at coach underscore Latoya Nache. So L-A-T-O-Y-A-N-A-S-H-A-E. Perfect. <laughs> and then what about your books? So they're all on Amazon. So okay. if you just... Latoya Nache in the search bar. All eight of them will come out soon to be nine. Eight books. Oh my gosh, girl, you're on fire. You're on fire. Wow. Awesome. Okay. Is there any other last little bit of encouragement that you want to give to the audience? You were to tell somebody that's listening in today that's feeling pretty desperate and then hearing everything that we've been discussing, maybe they just feel overwhelmed by it what would you say to someone I would say stop breathe and go back to what God has already spoken I love that so often we're searching for a new word but we haven't totally put our faith and trust in what he already said and he's not obligated to say more Until we that take was ownership. for me. That was for me. <laughs> and I did, no, that was for me. Wow, thank you, Jesus. No, if you if you knew the struggles that I was just this morning wrestling with, and how I said, "Lord, send me encouragement. Send me encouragement." Yeah. And what yeah. a pleasure! So it is to meet you. And wow, I know that somebody else has has just totally had a breakthrough for this. Yeah. Gosh, would you feel comfortable with closing out in prayer for us? I know I've kind of put you on the spot, so now it's going to be weird if you say no. (laughs) No, not a problem. Not a problem at all. I will. Hmm. Father God, we thank you. Lord, I, I praise you for just for being a part of this conversation. Your spirit can be felt. Lord, I thank you that every single day, is a day that you have made. And if we look at it that way, we will be intentional about finding a reason to rejoice. But I pray that you would just just touch Connie where she is, Lord. Touch the leaders. You have a way of meeting us right where we are and ministering to our every need. So God, I pray that you would touch your people from the inside out. The external doesn't come into alignment until the internal does. So Lord, I speak peace, healing, deliverance, freedom, and abounding joy. Thank you, Lord. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Latoya, it has been an absolute honor to have you on the Weed Seeds and Beautiful Things podcast. I am absolutely blown away. I am sure you will be one of my most listened to episodes. Thank you. Do tell me you will come back. 
Yes, absolutely. Well, guys, this is Connie from the Weed Seeds and Beautiful Things podcast, and I have with me today Latoya Nache. She is a life coach, an author, and a speaker, and she is downright amazing. Go find her stuff, and her books are on Amazon, eight, going to be nine, and her life coaching website is breakoutcoaching.buzz, and I will have all of this in the links in, in the link in the show notes. And come back next week. We will see you next time. Signing off.